Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Have a seat. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be able to uh, introduce. Angel today. Angel's going to be giving us the message today. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's, it's, it's such a relevant message. I mean, it's not, it, it's, it's not smoke and mirrors. It's not the big lights, but it's relevant to our everyday life because we were even talking about it in our, in our prayer time this morning and in leading up to the service about how sometimes God sets us up in the only the way that he can to, to basically put us in a place where we have to trust him. We have to lean into him, lean into his word, and we have to trust that, that he has it. He, he is on our side. He is with us. He is for us, and he is unfailing. And so I don't want, I don't want to steal any thunder because she's got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. But if you would, give your warmest welcome for Angel today. Thank you. It's so good to be back. And after this, thank you, Robert, Chris, and Cora. I don't need to say one word. And God is so good, and he is in this place. And Larry, it's good to see your face. I didn't know you'd be there. Um, so today is pretty exciting because uh, in a few minutes, John Ortberg is going to teach us that what brings, um, that those things that keep us spiritually bound up, also keep us from getting out of the boat. And through this teaching, which happens to be the conclusion of the series, he will help us understand what is holding us back. And he leaves us with a challenge. He challenges us to think about and release those things that keep us from knowing and participating in the fullness that God has for us. So let's watch and see what John has to say, and I will come back and see if I can add anything of value to that. Well, this is the last chance that we have to be together and to talk about responding in faith to what God wants us to do. I'd like to invite you to think about something uh, while we're together in this last session. If there's anything that could keep you from getting out of the boat and trusting God, what would it be? And here's what I'd like to invite you to do. Everybody here has a little paper boat, and that kind of expresses or uh, represents the temptation that we all have to stay where we're comfortable. So I'd invite you while we're thinking in this session to write down on your boat, what is it that could keep you from doing what Peter did and fully trusting Christ? Maybe it's comfort, maybe it's security, Maybe it's fear, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's failure. But as we're thinking here, just jot down what's the word or phrase that represents what could keep you from getting out of the boat. Write it down. And then we're going to have a chance to make a commitment to God at the end of our time together. While you're doing that, I want to ask you a question. One of the most important questions, I think, that a human being can ask herself or himself, how big is your God? 
how big is your God? When my kids were real small, we'd ask them a question. Parents often ask their children, how big are you? And kids generally learn to give the same response. Anybody know what it is? So big. They lift their hands up like this and they go, so big. And that's a real good answer to that question. Now, you can't always use it. Uh, like, Roger, if your wife asks you, how do I look in this dress? How do my hips look? Then it's not a good idea to say so big. But uh, as a general idea, we say that to our kids because we want them to think about themselves as people who are growing and more competent and able to handle life. And the Bible says, ultimately, as Paul puts it, we're able to handle whatever life throws us. We're able to handle anything because our God is so big. I can handle all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the consequences of the size of your God are enormous. People that have a big God go through life with great courage. They have a deep sense of security. They're willing to take risks. They pray big prayers. They keep persisting when life gets difficult. People that have a small God live with a constant sense of fear and anxiety. And very rarely are they willing to take chances. Prayer for them becomes very difficult. I was thinking about this some time ago. Uh, back when I lived in California, a few of us were walking uh, along the water. This is along the ocean. And um, we went past a bar and a fight spilled out of the bar into the street, kind of like in an old Western. Two guys beating up on one guy. And we thought we ought to break this thing up. Now I didn't have much experience at doing that. I missed that class when I was going through seminary. But we went over and uh, looked at these guys who were beating up the one guy and started to say, cut it out. Not much happened. And then all of a sudden they looked at us and their eyes got real big and they started running the other way. And we thought we must have done something real powerful until we looked behind us and there was a bouncer. Uh, like if Hercules had married Xena, the warrior princess, and they had a child, <laughs> it would have been this guy. We called him Mongo. And I was thinking afterwards, if I walked through life and Mongo was always behind me, I would face life a lot differently than I do. I'd face life with a lot of courage if I felt like there was somebody that size, somebody with that kind of strength who was with me. And what the Bible tells us is that there is somebody of tremendous strength who's always with me. And that's part of what Peter was in the process of learning. Peter was learning that there was somebody on the water who was so strong that when Peter failed, he could reach out and rescue him. And every time you grow, every time you and I take a step of faith, every time we trust Christ and experience His power in our life, our God gets a little bigger. Uh, not real far away from where we sit, there's a crucifix that's 55 feet big. That's a big Christ. There is a statue of Christ who overlooks the city of Rio de Janeiro. It's enormously tall. How big is your God? One of my favorite promises that's been written in the Bible uh, is written in the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter of Isaiah, where the prophet says, even young men grow weary and youth stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And that promise means a lot to me for some real personal reasons. When it says that they won't faint, uh, that means a lot to me. When I first started getting involved in serving God and I began to preach, 
I had a real distressing thing happen. It was the first year that I was working at a church and I was about five or 10 minutes into giving one of the first sermons that I gave. The room started to spin around and I started to feel real woozy. And the next thing I knew, I was laying on the ground. I had fainted dead away in the middle of my own message. And um, there was a lot going on in my life then. I was about to get married. I was in the middle of finals. And so I finished up that stuff. I was going overseas for a year, came back to the same church. The very next time I was giving a sermon, the same thing happened. Five minutes into the message, I fainted dead away. It is not a good thing to do if you want to preach on a regular basis to be fainting. And people had all kinds of advice for me and things that they told me I ought to do. And I prayed real hard and asked God to make it go away because I didn't like the fear and the nervousness that that created inside of me. And the passage in Scripture that came to mean a whole lot to me was where Paul asked God three times to take away this thorn in the flesh, this weakness that he had. And God never took it away. Whatever that weakness was, we don't know. God didn't make Paul's life easier, but what he said was, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And if you, in your own weakness and inadequacy and failure proneness, well, just get out of the boat. For me, that meant get back up again and stand on a platform and open up God's Word and trust that God would keep me propped up. And God says, my grace will be sufficient for you. And it's a funny thing. That's been almost 20 years ago since that happened. And still, every once in a while, when I'm speaking, when I'm teaching, I can feel those same sensations. Uh, I don't feel them right now, so you don't have to look <laughs> nervous. But there are still times when that happens to me. And I remember God's promise. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And there's this beautiful picture. Uh, Isaiah says, they will mount up on wings like eagles. That sometimes when you trust God and get out of the boat, you're going to soar. The sight of an eagle soaring on currents of rising air is a majestic sight. And the writer, Isaiah, is saying that when you trust God, when you wait on the Lord, then there'll be times when the Holy Spirit is so involved in your life that you'll be doing things that you cannot do on your own. There's a story about the explorer Cortez that on this great adventure one time when they had landed, they burned their boats so that they would know they'd never go back. And this is our time to do that. So just have a few moments to share. What is it that could keep you from fully following Christ and make a commitment now that you're not going to let that happen. Take a look at what it is that you wrote on your boat. I don't know what your response is to those words. Those words may express something that is real hard for you to let go of. But I want you to think about something. Those words may be the biggest enemy of your life because they may reflect the biggest single barrier to your going on the greatest adventure with God that you will ever go on. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to say, all right, God, whatever cost is written down on this piece of paper to following you, I'm willing to pay that cost. Um, we're going to have a chance to express a commitment like that in a few moments. Just before we do, I'm wondering if anybody would be willing to share what is it that you've written down on your boat? What could keep you from following Christ with the kind of abandon that Peter had? John, I wrote fear of failure. 
the fear of, uh, of kind of the unknown. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes there is something different and better, but uh, maybe it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Good for you. Good for you. What else? Well, having lost my job this spring, just the fear of starting over and, then the, and the fear of going through it all again at my age and those kinds of fears that I'm really dealing with or how my, what my family and friends will think. Yeah. Um, I think a fear of embarrassment and also just a fear of losing security, you know, finding your comfort zone. I feel very comfortable, yet like Scott said, I feel there's still something better out there for me, mm. but why throw off the comfort if I don't have to? Yeah. Um, I have the fear of the thoughts of my peers and my friends. At my age, that means a lot. And um, so sometimes you just you stick out from the group, and that's, that's the fear I have. I admire your courage. I'd like for this next moment to be really a moment between you and God. And it's not really about anybody else. It's about an opportunity for you to say to God, whatever it is that I need to go through, whatever the fear that I have to face, to be fully yielded to you, I'm willing to face that fear. And if you are, uh, as a way of expressing it again, just between you and God. When you feel ready, when you're ready to make that statement, just take your boat with whatever power that could hold you back it represents and throw it on the fire as a way of saying, God, I'm not going to be held back. I'm not going to let anything keep me from going on an adventure of a life that's done in partnership with you. Just between you and God, when you're ready, put it in the fire. When you think about what can happen when a human being really does let go of the ultimate fear and say yes to God, it's a very exciting thing. And I want to leave you with just two thoughts. One of them is that when you fail, and you will fail sometimes, because there is a storm in this world just like there was in Peter's day. And there'll be times when you and I are inadequate, when our focus gets lost. When you fail, that right hand of Jesus has lost none of his strength. He is still wholly adequate to reach down into the water and pick you up and save you just like he did with Peter. Every once in a while, you're gonna walk on the water. You really will do with God what you could never do on your own. You just got to remember one thing. If you want to walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat.
pretty good stuff, wasn't it? Well, we can all agree that God's plans are the best, can't we? And as we've been learning all year, his desire for us is to grow and thrive. His plans for us are to run, skip with joy, love outrageously, take big leaps of faith, fear not, and to fly. He has big plans for us, plans that he predestined from the beginning of time. And the boat represents whatever it is that we think is keeping us afloat. But first, we need to get out of the boat to walk on water and then to fly. We were made to soar on wings like eagles. What a beautiful picture. As you can see, there are boats and crayons on your table. Today, we are going to surrender our stuff that is holding us back from God's best. <clears throat> and in order... <clears throat> Excuse me. In order to do this, let's take a look at the who, what, where, when, why, and how. I don't know about you, but I love when the Lord uses repetition, repetition, repetition to teach me a lesson. And as I share the same concept today using a couple different creative ways, I hope one of them really speaks to you. So who? That first, yes. Jesus, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? Or at least it should be. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you haven't already said yes to Jesus, loving provision for your sin problem, today is the day that you can do that. You can say yes to him and write yes on your boat that signifies that you are surrendering your will to him. And because we do fail, we need Jesus every hour of every day. Jesus loves us. He calls to us to come, and he beckons us to stay. I want to revisit a part of the text from the story of Matthew 14, where we read about Jesus walking on the water. Verse 24 begins, But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary contrary. That word struck me. It means obstinate, set itself uh, against you. It was a hassling wind. Verse 25 goes on and says, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him, meaning Jesus, walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they, they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. I don't know where I get this idea, but I think of the fishermen as kind of like big, burly, strong guys. I, I see these guys sitting in the boat, terrified, crying out in fear. But Jesus, being Jesus, in verse 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen and little people too, I propose to you that sometimes a storm that frightens us and the wind that rocks our boat is really Jesus coming for us. He's calling for us to get out of our boat and calling for us to come to him. His only motivation ever is love. <clears throat> Whether it's life's circumstances, 
the enemy or Jesus rocking our boat, we can step out of that boat and meet Jesus because he has us. And by the way, the boat or whatever that thing is that we so desperately cling to as if it could save us, never can. What? What is that thing or things that keep you tied down and buried instead of living the life that he has for you? For your own good, you need to determine it and name it. Back in the day where someone couldn't uh, write their legal signature, they would make an X mark. If you know that there's something holding you back, but you cannot put a name on it, you just can't say it, just make an X today because God does know. He knows what that is. And why? Well, do you remember our teaching about abiding from John 15? It's all about the fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Um, The image that I'm going to talk about here in a minute is a great image that tells us um, what it looks like if we hold on versus what it looks like when we step out in faith. If we can have that image. Okay, so this first image on the left-hand side, if you look at the talent, the little gold thing, that can represent us or it can represent our gift that God gives to us, our time, our treasures, our resources. And if you look, it's underground, and there's a big pile, looks like a haystack, a big pile of green stuff. I call that thud, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And when we are buried with that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, Our God is so small. You know what? Because the little cloud up there can represent God. We can't really see God for who he is because we are buried. We're living in fear. It's taking us out. It's giving us an early grave. The second one, the little little, uh, medallion has come out. I kind of think of the little engine that could, okay? It's, It's deciding to agree with God about who we are. I'm a mess, but I'm a clean mess. And I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. I'm agreeing with God that I'm victorious, and I'm going to stop living like a victim. And when I do that, I step out. And you'll notice that that pile of fear, uncertainty, and doubt has started to diminish. And God is starting to grow. Not that God's growing, but our understanding of who he is. The third panel, right there, the little medallion, we are up there. It's kind of like on the altar. Um, Yeah, there's still stuff in our life, but there's nothing between us and God. And I think of Queen Esther in the Bible that saved her uh, her entire people. She was so surrendered to God and believed God so much, she said, if I perish, I perish. Oh, my gosh, that's where I want to live. So she's, she's put her life on the altar. If I perish, I perish. But at that point of surrender, something amazing happens. The fourth one, you can see, you know, um, idyllically, because I'm an I- idealist, all of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt are gone. And there is just a blank, a blank canvas, blank soil. But if you look at the little medallion, it actually has grown Because God tells us when we are faithful with what he has given to us, he'll give us more. And the fifth one, which is what it looks like when we surrender and we step out of the boat, there 
It's the multiplication. You take one kernel of corn and you plant it and you get ears of corn with about 600. God set the world up mathematically for exponential growth. When we get out of the boat, when we surrender to God, we start to see how big it is. We live by faith and then he can do things where we just grow exponentially. We change the environment around us because we are influencing other people that are influencing other people. That's the picture. That's the why we want to do this. When? Why not now? Now is a time to soar on wings like eagles. Isaiah 40, 30, and 31 says, Even young people grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we let go, when we trust him, he is the wind underneath our wings. We will soar on wings like eagles. Now is the time. Where? Here in this place. He's coming for you. Can you see him walking on water to get you? Can you hear him? Do you hear him calling? Will you answer Will you answer his call in this place? How? Trust him. Name that thing. In a few minutes, we'll write it, and then we're going to bury it and leave it. Trust him that you will live a new and amazing life through him. I'm going to share this parable from a friend who wrote about the how she went through the process of letting go. It's a modern-day parable. Um, she had an unfulfilled dream that she was desperately holding on to. Then she shares the beauty that came from the other side once she did let go. Jamie told me, I can remember a very, very hard point in my life. I can go back to that place in a second and find that exact scene. It was a gloomy day with no growth around me, just a bunch of dirt. There was a shovel for me waiting on the path. I stopped and asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want? He said, start digging. I said, no, no, I don't want to bury this. He said, if you don't bury it, I cannot give you what lies ahead. And trust me, you don't want to miss this. So I dug, and I was mad, and it took a lot of work. It took a long time. When I was done, he said, now bury it. I fell to my knees and said, but I believe you can make my dream come true. He said, I'm asking something greater. I'm asking you to trust me if I don't do it. One shovel of dirt and many, many tears, I buried it. When I was done, he said, leave the shovel and never pick it up. I said, I don't think I can leave it behind. Please don't make me leave this one behind. He said, do you love me more? I said, yes, as I wept. He said, walk, and just over that hill is sunshine and a field full of life rather than barren and dead things. I started walking, and ever so often, I would glance back at the shovel. 
And he would say, don't pick that up. Just as I got to the ridge, I saw some of the beauty of the prairie, yet I still hoped I could take it with me. When he lovingly said no, I was in that place where I could see both. When I chose to trust him was when he moved so greatly. He answered my prayers, not just the thing that I buried, but far more than I knew he could ever bless me with. And not just me, my whole family. Today I stopped by. It still looks the same as when I left, no life. And the pile of dirt at the burial site is still there, with my shovel still on the ground, untouched. I see it and I refuse to put my hand on that shovel because that place is so special between me and the Lord. Even today, I weep in remembrance of what it means. And Jamie closes with this prayer for us. I pray you over your ridge. I pray your hand off the shovel, and I pray the Lord answers all those prayers as you let go and enter God's best for you. So are you ready? Are you ready to do this? So Anne won't let me have any fun. Uh, John Ortberg and friends, they got to have a fire and burn their boats, but Anne made me promise no fire. (laughs) She didn't want me to burn the place down uh, while she was gone. So we are not going to burn our boats, but we are going to bury our dead. So write your thing or things on your boat. And if you have surrendered your life to Jesus today, you can write yes on there. And again, if you know there's something holding you back, but you just can't discern what it is, make an X because God knows. Then I'm going to ask you to walk up. During this, they're going to play some music. Symbolically, you're going to put your boat in here, and we're going to bury it, okay? And as you come up front... Would you please go ahead, either the back or the front here, and just pick up some communion elements? We're also going to take communion um, together. Thank you.
There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory he has won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When he calls my name No more sorrow, no more pain I will rise on eagle's wings before my God For on my knees and rise I will rise And there's a day that's drawing when this darkness breaks to light And the shadows disappear And my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed Victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise Hold my name No more sorrow No more pain I will rise shovel full of dirt 
Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you put this to death in us? And would you do something new and amazing that only you can do, not by our ability, because apart from you, we can do nothing, but through Christ, we can do all things. We have the privilege of communion today. Jesus took very common elements, bread and wine in the day, and um, because he wanted us to do it on a regular basis, often to remember him, that he was broken for us, that his body was broken for us, that he shed his blood for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank you, Jesus. So today, we take this in community as a thankful offering that not because I'm good, because I'll never be good, but because of Jesus, what he did, I'm clean. We are clean. So when you are ready, just go ahead and take the cup and the bread and thank him. Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed the victory he has won he is risen from the dead and I will rise honey calls my name no more sorrow no more pain I will rise on eagles wings before my God for on my knees and rise I will Ah. Uh... 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. Uh, you've been so present and so, so worthy. We thank you for this. Uh, please be with us throughout the rest of our day. Guide our conversations and our actions and our activities. We ask that you would just bless the food, Lord, that we're about to partake, that it would be a nourishment to our body and uh, keep us strong and healthy and able to serve you more and more. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy the food. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.